What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Strive Podcast. In today's episode, we spoke with Toby Pierce. And you guys may know Toby as the founder of Sweat with his partner Kayla, uh, who just exited and sold the business for many, many, many hundreds of millions uh, not that long ago. But uh, today I didn't want to talk about the money. Sel and I wanted to talk to Toby about the realities of business and media's current glorification of entrepreneurship and the real push for people to get into business. But we wanted to tell the truth. We wanted to share the struggles of business. We wanted to share the realities of business and, you know, give experiences that we've had and, and Toby specifically in the journey. And we really wanted to provide value with this podcast. And as always, Toby provided an immense amount of podcast. And hey, if you want to learn more about Toby's journey, the journey of sweat, the you know story about his exit and how he felt after the exit, there are so many amazing podcasts out there that I would highly encourage you to listen to that are all very recent. Uh, but in today's episode, we got deep and uh, I really hope you guys get something out of it. Awesome, guys. Welcome to the Strive Podcast and a huge welcome to Toby Pierce. What's up, brother? Oh, mate, lots of things happening in the moment, but just really happy to be here. Thanks for, thanks for hosting me, guys. Dude, so good to have you here. So good. Just reached out. Um, obviously, we've connected over jujitsu and, and we've been training together and we've obviously all got a mutual interest in business and I was just talking to you over the net and we're like, hey, come do this podcast. And Yeah, yeah, and that was... Mid mid rear naked strangle, right? So you, you're taking my back, and you're like, "You're going to come on the podcast, yeah. man." That couldn't really wasn't in a position to say no. No, brother, talk to us about. Um, obviously, I just want to start um, with the fact that you've just done a jujitsu competition. You dominated mm. this competition, but you left with basically no knee. Yeah, yeah. Talk us so, through that. Yeah, I, I had a, a solid couple of rounds there for sure. I um, it was actually in the first match. Like it must have been. I don't know, two minutes or two and a half minutes into the first match, I uh, was uh, playing around because I was in the gi as well, right? I never train in the gi anymore. I, I do like two or three like gi matches a year. Yep. Um, anyway, I'm doing stand-up and sort of lunge to go for a takedown and uh, yeah, must have not lunged that well. Sort of <laughs> tore my ACL, like fully ruptured my ACL, uh, tore my meniscus and uh, damaged the hamstring a little bit. But um, it was one of those moments in my head, uh, you know, kind of quite challenging. I was like, oh, I've definitely really badly hurt myself. You know, should I just kind of give up? And I was like, oh, nah, like, I'm here already. I may as well. So, exactly. Yeah. Can't get worse. That's yeah. the one well, thing. At least you go. Exactly. Like, what's going to happen? Like, exactly. oh, I've torn eighty percent or ten ninety, or if yeah. it snapped, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, that might do other injuries. But so I spent the kind of that was right at the beginning of the day, and I spent the rest of the day basically starting a match, sitting yeah. down because couldn't really take down because I couldn't stand up on one leg probably. Um, but yeah, did it right. Yeah, had a couple of wins. It really is like a ridiculous concept, like what we do, hey. And the fact that you've literally just gone to this competition to face another man and wrestle, mm. you've torn your knee. But yet you still continue on. Well, <laughs> like, it's it's an interesting thing, right? And so because jujitsu is a unique martial art for a variety of reasons, and anyone who does that or has been doing it for a while knows. But I think it's even more strange to people that have kind of no exposure to it or awareness to it, right? Because you, if you said to any kind of normal person in the street, you go, "Oh, hey, like you know, how many people do you know that do boxing?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah, a couple." And it's like, "Okay." And how many times they've been punched in the head? And they're like, "Oh, all the time." And I'm like, "Well, why is that?" And like, "Well." That's the objective of boxing to punch and well, ideally not get punched and you know do the punching right, and they go cool. So then you say, well, in jujitsu, the goal is to break someone's limbs yeah. or to you know uh, make them unconscious, right? Um, you know from from you know chokes and strangles, right? So 
but the intensity or you know kind of the damage that's done is like you get punched in the face the likelihood that you're going to have an extreme outcome is not as high you can yeah. get punched in the head quite a few times generally speaking and again i'm speaking quite broadly yep. right? but you can get punched in the head a bit and you'll be all right if someone you know goes to put a heel hook on you and yanks it and you don't tap yeah you are not going to be all right you like say goodbye to your mcl or lcl or both or whatever <laughs> right you know so the the kind of intensity and severity of the injuries in the sport is is, yeah. is extreme it's funny um i heard your kids in the background like whilst we were rolling yeah and i was all oh, like, no. <laughs> and, I'll, and i've i've had my kids come and watch me roll as well and it's one of those weird ones i've also had my parents come it's much worse with the parents particularly mm. my mom she doesn't know what's going on mm. she's just going what is this yeah. why are you rolling around on the ground for no apparent reason on a sunday mm. and then ellis at the time was just like screaming he doesn't know what he's screaming mm. at and mm. obviously then you're choking someone and then you choke someone out and then people clap mm. and you get up and you get your hand raised <laughs> yeah. and yeah. then so in his head he's just like oh that's a good thing yeah and you're like only in this environment yeah. only in these yeah. <laughs> in this part but then you leave that setting where everyone knows the mm. rule set and what's going on you're like you don't do that mm. to other people but then you're also trying to teach them that there was a level of respect in that. There was a level of competition. Mm. There was a level of grit. Yep. All these really good things. I'm trying to get him to compete um, end of this year. Mm. And then I'm just looking in his eyes. He's like, are you talking about where you were just choking someone? And mm. I was like, yeah. And he's like, could that happen to me? I'm like, 100%. Mm. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> you I don't, yeah. want it to happen <laughs> yeah. to him. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's a strange thing, as you said, because if you just talk to the common person yeah. about it, their concept of why that's occurring isn't there. But when you're actually doing it, it makes all the sense in the world. So yep. it's just a, yeah, like you said, crazy, unique, unique sport in that aspect. Mm. Now, bro, there's so many people listening to this going, oh, come on, guys, get get through this. I, I don't really care about, about <laughs> jujitsu. I want to, you know. Sure. <laughs> so this is where I'm sort of get, getting to because I think it's like a kind of gets to sort of what we're going to start talking about. But, you know, a lot of people out there would be going, you know, Toby's had some business success. Why is he putting himself in this situation mm. to do to, to jujitsu? Like, you yeah. should be doing something else. So, what what drew you to jujitsu, and what mm. keeps you sort of practicing in the art? Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I've always been a big believer that uh, your know, discomfort is a good thing, right? Or, or or adversity. And most people, when they think adversity, they think like bad stuff. Mm. I think adversity can just be challenges. You know, there can be positive challenges. You know, to you, right? So, I've always been a big believer in that, though. You know, and that's kind of how we grow. And so, if that's true, if you took an extreme view, you know, you kind of can't grow or develop without some discomfort or adversity or challenges. Well, then you would go. If you were living a life that didn't have a lot of that in it, then you should create a life that has that in it, right? And I don't mean deliberately go hurt your knee so you can rehab it, yeah. right? Yeah. Obviously, but you know. Um, so for me, the 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 important context was that uh, trying to remember when it was. I would have been like you know, early to mid twenties, uh, and had been running a business, and so I'd come out of you know my four year journey was sort of like was you know home a homeless teenager or kind of like left home, uh, somehow ended up you know running my own sort of small PT business couple of years later was you know running a business that was turning over 10 15 million dollars a year incredibly profitably and mm. i was like i've been really fortunate to have had that journey now i'm running a, a business and i have a team of people around me that look at me as a leader and this and that and the other so in other words i'm always in control and i'm always the decision maker and the yes or no stops with me etc etc because we hadn't really established as like a proper corporate at this point you yep. were sort of startup still right and so I was like, 
in my friendship circle, I'm like, you know, I was one of the more successful, you know, kind of in control, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, that's a really dangerous place to be. You know, and so I recognize I'm like, that's an incredibly dangerous place to be. I need to be putting myself into different types of environments where I'm, you know, not the best or not kind of the, the leader or, or a superior in one, you know, format, right? And so I was like, oh, look, generically, I'll just dive into a couple of random things. So I was like, like the snow, I'm going to go snowboarding and I'm going to do one day of snowboarding and then I'm going to jump out of helicopter and snow in a random mountain, um, which I soon discovered was a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I did that. And then at the same time, I was like, oh, you know, I've always really had this, I've always really loved and respected martial arts, but... I didn't never really bother to do it. So I was like, I'll do it. And I tried MMA for a bit and I did that, but I really didn't, I didn't really like the idea of like punching and elbowing people in the head. That didn't really, <laughs> didn't really yeah. sit with me that yeah. well. Um, and then the, uh, the jujitsu component of that, I, I found quite interesting. Um, and so that's kind of, yeah, sort of ended up in, in, you know, unintentionally. Yeah. In there. And just like talking about the connections that you build through there, like mm. obviously we've built a connection through there. Cell and my connection was built through there. Mm. Then we ended up starting businesses together. And I think that that <laughs> is just like, probably if anything one of the most special parts of something like a martial arts is is the community and and the needing the human need for us to be connected to some sort of mm. community and feeling mm. part of something bigger and yep. and i think the thing about jiu-jitsu as well is that like no matter where you go in the world you know it's a language mm. so even if you travel to japan or something and you're not speaking the same language you do through jiu-jitsu so there's Absolutely. a connection there yeah. i think that's a beautiful thing so yeah. it's like yeah, no, and like, I mean, I, I just went to ADCC, yep. right, and so had some amazing experiences and was able to connect and reconnect with people. Like, I um, they, I happened to go to school. Like, I went to high school with Craig Jones. Yep. Oh, nice. So for any single person who knows anything about yeah. jiu-jitsu and has been involved, just going like, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for you. Um, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, but I was able to, you know, kind of reconnect with him and a few people, and then when I'm over there, I didn't really know anyone in the community and kind of left there with probably another 10, 20 yeah. new really cool friends, you know, getting on the mats and, and rolling around together. Yep. So. I think it's also cool in the aspect that you would attest to this. As you said, you're a leader. You've climbed the corporate ranks, sold businesses for hundreds of millions of dollars. You could walk into our gym or your gym in Adelaide. And for all that you've done outside of there, it only matters what you do in there. It's an equaliser, right? It's an equaliser. And I think it's even harder in today's world to get those equalizers. Mm. Like the gap of disparity has grown further and further. Not saying like the richer getting richer or the poorer getting poorer, but there's mm. this social media world. There's this whole lot of fake smoke mm. and all these different things that go on. Um, people feel like they can't get their dues, but at the same time, if you go into a place like that, you get what you get. You mm. get the aspect of someone has been here training for 10 years, 15 years, and they'll hold respect yeah, for their and there's time. there's no lies. There's no lies. There's no yeah. faking, no exactly. lies. Exactly. And yeah. it, it feels like, honestly, that when I go there for my hour and a half of a morning, mm. rarely get the Ruben Arbo, so I just do everything in the morning. It feels like that's the one place where there's complete truth. Mm. There isn't any bullshit. There isn't anything. People are there to help each other get better. If you've been skipping classes, you'll get found out quickly. Mm. If you haven't, if you haven't done the work, you'll get found out quickly. Mm. If you have been doing the work, you'll get rewarded yeah. as well for that. So, feel it's a it's an easy thing to gravitate towards when yeah. there is so much fluff that mm. appears um, everywhere else well, in the, the world. It's the social media generation, yeah. right? Like, and yeah, I mean, you see this a lot. Like, obviously, I spent a huge portion of my career in the fitness industry, right? And you know, there's a lot of um, you know, to kind of, to, to put it lightly, there's a lot of good looking people that make a lot of money by being good looking. Yeah. yeah. By that, and that's a, 
not a good thing, a bad thing. It's yeah. just a thing. It's yep. a thing. It, yeah. it is what it is, right? But yeah, but I think one of the awesome things about you know martial arts in general, and obviously you know jujitsu being one of them, is that there's not really a lot of kind of predisposed advantage that you can get going into it. Sure, like you know, longer limbs are better for this type of game, and maybe a bit of strength is better for that type yeah. of game. But you know, the reality is like you're in weight divisions. Yeah, you're in skill and belt divisions, typically speaking. So like it's quite a normalized you know competitive set yeah. if you're competing, obviously. Um, so there's not really a lot that goes into it yeah. that is outside of your control in that sense, right? Mm. You know, like you either do or don't train, do or don't study, you know, that's it. It's pretty raw. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like, um, you know, we've got our little bit of selfish fulfillment out of having this jujitsu chat, but <laughs> the reality is, is that we almost have like a submission where we want people and we want to encourage people to get into martial arts because mm. we think it is just so beneficial that for every phase in life, mm. right? And everything that you're doing and, to build so many qualities that you need to attack this life that's that's tough you know life mm. is tough but um you know when we were talking on on you know over over instagram and stuff like that and we were just having a, a general chat we were, we were going down this theme and we were discussing about how media right now glorifies entrepreneurship mm. and you know literally i was on instagram before and i heard gary v sort of encouraging that you go out and start a business right mm. now and you know he's he's quite a uh an influent uh, influential figure when he talks about promoting starting a business mm. and hustles and all these sort of stuff mm. and <clears throat> you know we've all started businesses and you've had some incredible successes but i thought that this would be an awesome opportunity to talk to you mm. specifically about the reality of running a business mm. and i want to hear from you whether you think running a business should be something that everyone considers or whether it's something that only a, a select few could, should consider. What, what's mm. your general sort of thoughts about, about that statement and whether you think business is for everyone? Yeah, so I, I think the short answer is probably that it's, it's, it's not for everybody. Uh, and that's in many ways, you know, to, to the Gary V's of the world or, or a variety of other kind of, you know, um, influential you know business you know life coach figures online that's probably quite confronting you know as an, it's, it's quite abrasive mm -hmm. and, and what, what i really say when i mean that is let, let's create a spectrum you know one end is that you're probably your um you know default uh emotional and intellectual aptitudes uh experiences and knowledge either really don't align to you know running an organization or really do align you know to running an organization and if we imagine that's a spectrum, everyone falls somewhere on that spectrum, either more or less kind of in favour of things that are yep. going to make them more or less likely successful. Um, I think the the reason why I kind of answer with a bit of a binary response as in like, no, you know, not, not everyone is kind of appropriate or, you know, meant for business is that, well, the, the reality is that if you said, if you rephrased it and said, could any person be right to run a business at some point in their life, the answer is potentially yes, Yep. right? Yep. But the reality is that life is quite dynamic and augments and changes obviously a lot throughout time. And so if you're someone who has kind of, uh, you know, default personality, you know, values, beliefs and attitudes or whatever that doesn't necessarily align to that, um, uh, you know, set that's needed to run a business and your life is in a particular point where it's, it would really be kind of, you know, inconceivable or irrational for you to do so, then it's just not a good idea. Yeah. And so I think the, um, you know, the, this, this kind of theme or... 
this narrative. Yeah, the narrative and the ideology that's like perpetuated online is almost this kind of like misinterpretation and extrapolation of, you know, like positive psychology or growth mindset, right? It's like, well, you can be whatever you want. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, you can't actually. Yeah. Right. I, can't, I can't be six foot seven uh, and then go and play basketball like LeBron no matter how hard I try. Yeah. I can get better at basketball, mm-hmm. right? And I could potentially be okay. Um, but the probability is quite low that I'll ever be that good for a variety of your know, naturally inherited attributes, you know, that I do or don't have, right? Yeah. Obviously, business is a little different. There's not as many kind of physical characteristics that are, you know, limiters um, when you go into it. But there's a variety of other kind of, you know, things that you either pre-exposed to or not that, you know, massively determine the, the probability that you succeed. But it's a very, like, like all, you know, kind of good questions and topics, right? It's a very nuanced topic. It's not as simple as anyone can go start a business, go and do it. Yeah. There's so much yeah. more than that. I think to to that matter, and I don't know enough about your background, but I can say if someone has torn their ACL and is willing <laughs> to keep fighting through that, they're probably suited to business in some manner. Mm. Not categorizing what the business is. Mm. It could be in fashion. It could be in music. could be art. could mm. be finance but they've got something within them that they've built or they were born with that's another topic that allows them to push through a lot to get to an end result Mm. right here right now and even more so in this world there is less and less people that are willing to push through Mm. adversity (coughs) to get to an end result and at the end of the day every business will have a shitload of adversity Mm. It's so the, much the of it. discomfort thing, right? Yeah, like, exactly. So much of it. it. It's it's so true. Um, and I think also as well, like one of the things, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of like a passionate realist you know, yeah. or, or, or objectivist, if you will. Like I, I believe that I, to the, to the best of my ability today, I try to see the world as it is and exist in the world as I am. If yep. that kind of yep. makes sense, right? And so, you know, the reality is that I think this notion of like, what is an entrepreneur? What is a business? You know, uh, what and why am I doing it? I think th- those three simple statements of questions, right? Like, you could spend an eternity kind of debating that. Like, I would suggest just just off the top, right? I would suggest that more more often than not, people like the idea of being an entrepreneur more, and the potential future outcome of what being an entrepreneur could get them. They like them more than actually doing what is necessary to be an entrepreneur, right? So, in, in other words, identifying as one is exciting. Being one. They have no interest in, yeah. yeah, right. But social media allows you to kind of identify how you want, you know, socially and publicly, right? I think the thing as well is that we don't talk often enough about what it is about being an entrepreneur, mm. and I think that that's what I've become. I don't know whether I'm my thoughts on this are going to evolve over time and as I mm. become more experienced and in life and in business, but I feel quite protective about this sort of, um, you know, narrative at the moment. And I was thinking, and I was talking to Holly last night about. When you first start business, you go through this thing where you become kind of good at something, Mm. right? And then you want to tell the world about it. Mm. And then so I remember just, you know, going through this phase where I was like, everyone should start their business Mm. and just being like super encouraging and and doing videos on YouTube about building marketing Mm. funnels and Mm. doing all these sorts of things. Eight years later, today, I sit there going, oh my God literally the struggles that Sel and I go through every single day that people would have no idea about and the gravity of the decisions that we need to to make that either determine whether tomorrow we have a house or not Mm. um, and the pressures and stress is just so great that even with what I've been through in my life and I know what Sel's been through in his life these things can rattle you Mm. and we consider ourselves quite strong you know 
you know, people. And I, I just feel for those who are sort of make the decision or are thrust out into that business mm. world when they're not ready. Maybe they're going to learn and maybe, maybe they need to learn mm. that the hard way. Well, it's like, it may be right. But the, this, you know, the, the public, you know, I guess the public view here, you know, or the view about entrepreneurship is incredibly inaccurate exactly. socially in a sense that people go, Oh, it's really all about hard work. Yeah. And you go, okay, well, what's the hard work? And they go, oh, lots of hours, hustle, yeah. hustle, hustle. It's this like hustle nation narrative. Right. But, the number of hours that you work is kind of like the, the almost a non-existent problem. Yeah. You know, the real problem is exactly you know to the discussion here. The real problem with entrepreneurship is the emotional confrontation, the frequency and the intensity of it. It's not how many hours you work yeah. because you can work sixty to eighty hours a week at a corporate and be under plenty of pressure and stress just yeah. to deliver the work, right? But when you are doing that sixty to eighty hours, that's to get your salary and paycheck. You're not worried about. Um, you know, losing your life savings, mm. you know, or you're not worried about, you know, for some people it's you know, like losing money or it's a, you know, being a public failure or, you know, it's, 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 it's regressing in life or whatever it is, right? There's, there's typically different fears and concerns, but the intensity of doing it kind of on your own is just unmatched, yeah. you know, in any other kind of you know, approach to generating an income, right? Entrepreneurship kind of on the one end and you know, employment on the other, if you will. Yeah. They definitely paint this picture of recent time it's almost every time I open up YouTube, it's that person like, do you want to work for yourself? Do you want to earn millions of dollars? And then mm. it just B-rolls to like you in a boat and a yacht mm. doing all these things. And so they, they pan to an outcome. But I wonder how many people would really want to do it if they pan to the actual realisation of you'll be sitting by yourself lonely for massive, massive periods of time. Maybe not lonely, but feel like you're on an island. And all these, all these aspects are reliant on you. And noting, if someone said to you, you have a decision to make and you know what the right decision is and it's going to piss off 95% of people mm. and it could, they may never talk to you again. They may be off you. You'll, you'll lose friends. You'll lose family. Would you do it still? Mm. Most people would say no. Most people would. Because that's, 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 that's the reality. What, but that's what's going to happen. I can, tell, I can tell you for yeah. a fact, there's people that are good friends that I had to make a decision. It was the best decision of the interest of the business. And for that sake, it was the best decision in the interest of my family. I haven't spoken to them. Mm. I've, I've said this is the decision and this is why I had to make the decision. Complete rationale. Like it's A plus B will equal to C for this and we have to do this. But then they have emotions tied to it. Yeah. And I'm like trying to explain to them, your emotions in this case are not my problem. Yeah. The business is my problem. And that's what I have to protect. That's, yep. that's and led, and to, even, led to fallouts. Yeah, and, and even if you are compassionate and sure. empathized with them in that process, you can't control the response. No. So you can, you know, as in the things that sit within your control, you know, what is the choice you make? How do you deliver the message for that? And how can you support the person after they can always still turn around and say, well, you know, I'm out, screw you, and you've just ruined my life. And, th and that's a practical reality. You know, there's been times uh, in my journey where I did similar things, right? You know, there was a particular person who, you know, had moved location, you know, um, you know, to come work for for me in a part of the journey. And, you know, they'd, uh, you know, bought like a family house, just put their kids in private school, got on a big mortgage, you know, their wife was no longer working because she was, you know, wanted to be a, a stay-at-home mum up until the, you know, kids kind of started the school that they got into, all lots of expensive stuff. And literally like at the end of that conversation, I have to then go, cool, thanks for telling me about what's going on in your life, but 
you actually don't have a future here at this company. Yeah. And yeah, and so some people might say, well, that makes you a terrible person. And other people would say, well, that's a very obvious business decision if they're not performing. Yeah. But there's no there's no kind of comfortable route here. Mm. You know, and so push kind of comes to shove over time and, and obviously you know, Miles, you and I chat a bit. I, I work with quite a few founders now and you know, one of the things that a lot of them kind of seem to misunderstand in that particular scenario is it's like, well, the, the business's success is your success, inevitably, for most of these people. So in a scenario like that, you're choosing between the performance of the individual to support them in their life or you're choosing between the performance of the organisation mm-hmm. and you know, supporting it, right, which is your life as a proxy. Um but they don't realise that they make tens or hundreds or even thousands of these decisions in a month and they don't realise that subconsciously they avoid a lot of them mm-hmm. because it's easier for them to kind of, and I always say this, it's like, you know, hard today, hard tomorrow type scenario, right? You can have a hard conversation today, we can deal with their poor attitude and poor performance tomorrow. Like, you know, yep. what, what way do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And there's, um, yeah, founders often go through this process and they make so many decisions that just get fatigued mm-hmm. and they either subconsciously or consciously kind of avoid them and to perpetuate their own narrative that oh, I'm still an owner, I'm still yeah. successful, I'm still going on, but then they're not really. The issue is that eventually the poor performance catches up. Yeah, yeah. Something you mentioned just then <coughs> that made me laugh is that aspect of like a choice fatigue, like a decision fatigue. Oh, for sure. And <laughs> I hear people like going, "I don't know what I want to have for lunch." I'm like, <laughs> in my head, I'm just like, "There's not even an option of what to have for lunch. It's whatever's in the fridge." that I'm walking past that I've just chucked everything I possibly can in there because you reduce your decision making Mm. that you have to do because the big decisions you have to do are the ones that count. Mm. And that's one thing I definitely know about people that have talked about to me going, oh, I want to start my own business. I'm like, cool. Like, what do you think? And they'll say this, this and this. And I'll hear them and I'll listen to them. I'm like, I can tell you struggled to even work out what shoes you were going to wear today. How do you conceptualize, think you're going to make, they, they don't realize it, but probably daily, 200 or 300 decisions. Mm. Like o- almost every minute is like a decision that has to be made and it's going to be a right or a wrong one. Mm. And if you made the wrong one, then you're going to have to make probably five more decisions to fix that at some time point mm. down the track. And that decision fatigue like is one of those things where I sit there I see Miles go through it sometimes where he's just like going to people, I don't care. <laughs> like it's just at the point where he's like, I don't want to make another decision today mm. because I'm up to my 400 decision. Mm. You choose and mm. I'll deal with whatever happens there. But I just want some decisions to be made that don't end up coming straight back to me. There's an element of me like trying to encourage them to make the decision because I think there's just this default where people feel so comfortable just continuing to ask questions that it becomes well, a cultural thing right yeah. as in so like in your business for example yeah. right it's like you know it's like one of the things that i was like kind of really hot on i was like never come to me with a problem don't yeah. want to hear it i only want to know about what what suggestions do you have for solutions and which one are you recommending to me and why mm-hmm. right so, because you know, like you know if we come back to the whole decisions thing however many you make in a day right your the success however you choose to define success right yeah. the success of your life that you have any particular activities or endeavours, including business, will ultimately almost exclusively come down to the quality of your decisions, mm-hmm. right? Which is really interesting because how many people do you know that proactively focus on learning and critically analysing their decision-making? Not many. But I, I only know a few. Yeah. And funnily enough, those few people are the ones who are incredibly successful in whatever yeah. endeavours they take. So, you know, h- how are you focusing on decision-making? And then to the employee culture thing in the business, well... 
what types of controls and governance do you have in place to make sure that you have to make the least amount of decisions mm. and that your decisions will be the largest and have the most impact and are decisions that can only be made by you with the specific skills and knowledge that you have, mm-hmm. right? And so, because that means then, you say, cool, I'm pushing all the decisions that other people can otherwise make, I'm pushing them down or across you know, in the organization. And all the ones that are massive, high value, that are multifactorial and very complex that only I can answer because of my special kind of subject matter knowledge or expertise, whatever that might be for the individual, how do I make sure that I'm doing as many of those as possible? Because that's the real value, yeah, right? And this is kind of this like... Um, uh, one of the like founders' dilemmas, right? You know, at what point in time do you recruit people to take decisions away from you, yeah. and how do you how do you commercially rationalise that? Because there's always a degree of risk that the decisions will be bad, but then how do you implement governance and control controls or frameworks or whatever to make sure that those decisions happen well and when you need them and where you need them, kind of without you being present, so that you can focus on kind of what's next. Right? I've always struggled with that for mm. sure. That's 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 mm. that's. It sounds easy when you say it. Um, but it's not. No, it's not easy. No, yeah. It's a skill yeah, that you it, need to develop. It absolutely is. And like trying trying to actually understand as well. Like I, I say this all the time. Like one of the easiest places to start is you know, like, why are we here for the day for this meeting? Mm. So like if this meeting is kicked off and you can't say to me, I have this particular agenda and the agenda is created because the purpose of this meeting is this. And based on that purpose, these are the two or three or four things that I need to get out of it. It's like you don't deserve my time then. Yeah. yeah. I will not allocate my time because you don't need yeah. me. What am I contributing? If not a decision yeah. or if not feedback, then what am I, yeah, what am I kind of contributing here? Yeah. Do you think that like particularly in decision making and as you said, I think mm. it's the most important thing that anyone mm. can learn. Uh, it's not something you don't go to school and they go, hey, we're, today's class is on decision making. Mm. It's English, there's maths, there's all these different types of things that have decision making yeah. wrapped up into them, but there's not a definite like do this mm-hmm. equals x do you think and because you have kids you probably have a good answer to this that there's an aspect of you need to let people make decisions early within their lives Mm. to be able to understand the consequence of making wrong decisions Mm. still safeguarding them enough that it's not dangerous Mm. i've been told that i'm too reckless like (laughs) in the aspect of and i think i save people too much yeah Yeah. so there could be two aspects like if you're too reckless someone could seriously make a decision that really Mm. fucks them up (laughs) that that it's a complex thing right so if you look at we'll go from a few different ways right so if you look at the kids thing well let's go back to adversity 101 right if you want to learn if you so if you want to get really good at being able to take care of yourself if you're uncomfortable then you need to expose yourself to being uncomfortable exactly in any way shape or form redundant what or how or when it's just if you want to get good at winning or succeeding or kind of triumphing um, you know, over adversity then you must have regular exposure to it which is why a trend not the rule right but a trend is that a lot of successful business owners are people that had you know kind of adversity or whatever early in life because they developed skills that you know critical thinking and independence and this sort of stuff right if we kind of you know uh, raise the age scale and we jump into let's say like you know early adulthood like you know 20s plus right uh and then we'll relate it back to business, right? There's an interesting nuance here because, cool, yes, we should let you try and fail things, but what? You know, because most of, and, you know, and I, I say this kind of, again, I say this all the time to founders, I'm like, at least 80 to 90% of what you do in your business today and 80 to 90% of what you need to do in your business between now and when you sell it or it dies or you get out of it and you employ management, 80 to 90% of everything you need to do in your business has already been done 
by someone is being done somewhere probably bigger, better, faster, smarter, whatever. So why would you waste time learning and breaking things when the answers are already there? Yeah. And then for the bit, you know, the 10 or 20% that hasn't been done or you're doing differently or whatever, then that's where it's worthwhile to spend time actually iterating and learning. You know, like for example, if you take, um, you know, like, uh, you know, a physical goods business, you're entering another country, it's like, okay, well, there are frameworks for go-to-market entry, go-to-market research, market identification, market selection, market analysis. Don't invent a framework, use one. The only one, Google it you know, for if you need to, right? You know, if you want to understand like how international you know, distribution, you know, supply chains and logistics work, read about it. Mm-hmm. Most of the answers are there. If you want to do it better, then you have to think about it. But if you're just looking for a kind of a solution to uh, X, like a lot of the answers exist, right? So in the role of management and leadership, right? You know, so leadership, know what are the right things to do. Management, get things done right. Mm. Okay, so as we look at that, the leadership component of that is, well, what things should we actually be focusing on in management? Well, what is the right way to do certain things? And so if you know that the things you're doing have already been done, find the answers. If not, then risk being wrong, mm-hmm. you know, because there's actually a worthy return. Otherwise, you're, you know, and this is quite a blunt statement, because otherwise you're being pretty inefficient. Yeah. Yeah. You're wasting energy, if you exactly. want to yeah. go back to martial arts, right? Like, <laughs> you know, wasting energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this, and there's so much value. I want to I bring it back down to... Um, you know, those who are watching social media and looking at these things and they're sitting as an employee in, in a job and they're being pressured to um, start their own business. Mm. And then so internally they start feeling in- inadequate mm. um, and they start building this anxiety around this narrative that, you know, you should go and live your dream and do something you're passionate about mm. And then it becomes this whole dilemma where, but I don't know what I'm passionate about. And mm. I don't know, you know, h- how to live my dream. And I don't know how to start this business mm. and all these sorts of things. Mm. This is literally, it's something that I'm, I, again, I feel protective on and something that I see a lot, even within mm. my own team, um, where it's like, they're just under so much pressure mm. because of what they're being fed. Yeah, And... I'm sitting here on this side being the business owner and just going, I don't think you want, like, I don't mm. think you want this. Yeah. this it's so mm. often that I sit there and go, God, it's, it would be so much easier if I mm. was designed to be an employee. Yeah. And, you know, there's um, all this messaging out there that says, like, if you want wealth and if you want balance in life, be a business owner. Mm. I actually quite think it's the opposite mm. to a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that you can achieve balance and you can quite easily build wealth being a great employee mm. where there's a lot, there's a huge chance, a greater chance than not that you're not going to build wealth mm. with, it, with the business and you're certainly not going to have balance. Well, all, all of this ultimately, the whole conversation comes back to incongruence, right? Yeah. And when I say that, what I mean is that, you know, there's an incongruence between what a person sees himself as and what they actually are. Yep. Right. There's an incongruence between what it is they want and the things that they are willing to do. That like that is the absolute baseline <laughs> here, right? Yeah. So if we if we were kind of super, you know, cut and dry about it, it's like what people do or don't consume on social media is their own problem, right? You can unfollow whenever you like. Yeah. You can unsubscribe, turn the TV off to whatever you want, right? So let's bring it back to kind of like innate human behavior. As human beings, typically not typically speaking, we want more than we have. Yep. Right? That creates 
uh, that 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 is a, a belief or a an attitude, right? That is incredibly self-destructive and self-deprecating, yep. right? You know, if you want to get really wealthy really quick, want nothing, yeah, right? Because wealth is simply surplus, having more than you need, right? And so most people go, I make fifty k a year, I need seventy five. You're already poor. You are instantly poor, right? Because of the mindset that you said, unless I have seventy five k then I'm not good enough or I'm not winning or I can't afford this lifestyle or whatever. Now, to be clear, there's obviously some practicalities. You know, I have to have this much money to send my kids to school and drive and eat and, yeah, of course, sure. Yeah, but the, the kind of break even for that point of, you know, you know, survivability versus kind of like thriving or achieving what you want is actually a lot lower than what most people think, right? You know, so people very often are just, they start from a position of like, I'm not who I want to be. Yeah, and then so the anxiety sets in, well, you know, I believe I am this, why aren't I achieving that? In the future, I might not, you know, obviously anxiety by definition just being worrying about something in the future, right, outside of this current point in time. So then the logical next step would be, well, if you know what you want then, so even if we think it's a bad goal or otherwise, let's just assume that that's what we want. There's an incongruence between who we are today and who we want to be. Let's accept that. Awesome. Well, what needs to be done to get there? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to endure that. Oh, I'm afraid of failure, which is where this whole like kind of you know narrative around fear of failure comes in. It's like, well, then maybe you don't want it yeah, because yeah. wanting something more comes with risk. Like inherently, there are not many free lunches, you know, so to speak, right? Normally, things come with a cost or a risk or a sacrifice, however you choose to kind of phrase that, right? And so, people don't want to commit what is necessary, you know. And you see this in all aspects of life. Oh, I want a really great relationship. I want to get married. I want to be in love. It's like, cool. Well, that requires. A lot of patience, a lot of time, a lot of sacrifices, a lot of shitty conversations. Everyone goes, oh, but, you know, but great relationships don't have shitty conversations. Absolutely they do. Yeah. In, as a matter of fact, I'd almost go so far as to say, if you want a great relationship, you must, you are obliged to have shitty conversations. Yeah. Oh, I want to be healthy and fit and look good for summer. Well, you probably got to eat good food and get in the gym. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Or you yeah, want to be an entrepreneur and I want to have more money and financial freedom. It's like, oh, I don't want to do the work and deal with the uncertainty. So there's all these incongruences that kind of present themselves, you know, everywhere, right? The pattern remains the same. Do you guys think that because of this social media rise and what is deemed as an entrepreneur based on what people see in a phone is completely skewed? Give you an example. My dad is probably the best entrepreneur I know (laughs) by, by terms of trade, in terms of started with nothing, came here from Africa with a shirt on his back, drove taxis, cleaned dishes, cleaned hotels, went to uni, got a PhD, started an engineering business, highly successful, exited, mm. retired, lives in Hope Island, drives mm. a golf buggy. Mm. That to me is like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the ultimate, like in terms of entrepreneur, the best. What mm. if someone pictured an entrepreneur in their head today mm. would be the complete opposite of that. Life coach in Bali, typing mm. on a computer, do better, try more, you're the best, some other randomized insert quote here type of situation mm. working for themselves doesn't isn't tied to anything or whatever it may be mm. and then that is the new concept of what it is which to me is like and there's I, probably I, a high chance they don't even make money exactly to, or they're to just highly in debt to that point and then how would they exit like for example that person i'm just mm. using that and i'm not saying that's what every what is being referred to but there is definitely a level of if you're a tradesperson, you've got your own building company, you're slogging it out. People don't think of you as an entrepreneur for whatever reason. Mm. And for and I'm referring to people refer to me, Miles, yourself, and maybe it's because we did something digital and you did something in an app. Mm. And so it's very, 
very on trend and sexy. Mm. So people like oh, Toby's mm. like this massive entrepreneur and Miles owns a digital agency and a e-commerce business and still has this kids nutrition or whatever mm. it may be. Whereas I feel like the real other like proper entrepreneurs don't even get looked at and they're the ones doing all this stuff, mm. but because they don't live in a phone and they're not seen on this yeah. digital platform, it's just like people dismiss it. Like it's almost like they don't exist. Well, it's the status thing, right? Yeah, well, like probably is more to that, yeah, like, like you said. Well, yeah, what, what if you just kind of like get the, the word entrepreneur and just bin it for a sec? Yeah. Right, what would you call all those people? Exactly. Well, Hard workers. Them, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you, you call them a variety of things like yeah. that. You just say, well, you're a business person. Yeah. Right, like, and if you said to people, you know, like, because the origin of the word entrepreneur really frustrated, I can't remember exactly what his name was, Gene Singh, I think it was, saying he's a French guy, right? You know, going a long, long, long time ago. And literally was just somebody who moves resources from one underperforming area to another high-performing area. There's resource efficiency. Mm-hmm. But that's the origin. That's, you know, etymologically speaking, that's the origin, yeah. right? You know, so if, if that's true, and not that all words remain the same and must remain the same, you know, over time, but it's like the current kind of definition, you know, that's socially accepted well, firstly, people couldn't even articulate it. They wouldn't know what it is. But, yep. you know, secondarily, like, it doesn't really have a lot to do with that. You know, it starts with, you know, entrepreneur cool. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that's the beginning of the definition. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> this will probably make sure I never win this award. Or I did win it. But now I, like, look at it. And <laughs> we were just at the Young Entrepreneur Awards. And we were going, mm. th- like, they were going through the categories and all this different types mm. of stuff. And the people I respected there the most were the people that I knew were just like straight, solid, hardworking, mm. no bullshit about them, weren't doing anything for any other reason than mm. they were doing their best to really enlift their community. Mm. Like they had a, a bunch, they had some resources and they were using those resources to do better, mm. really effectively. Yeah. And a commercial outcome sometimes was the result of that. Other times they would lose money off the back of that, yeah. but they felt so strongly and passionately mm. about what they were doing. Yeah. That's what mattered to them. It wasn't the status of an entrepreneur title. It wasn't the status of, I get to say on the gram or whatever it is, I've got this. It was like, I've changed lives by delivering this product mm. or this service, which I find... If, if it could be brought back to that, it would be amazing. And, and and if more people can do that, that's great. But I find because of this shift, less people are looking at it on how it will affect mm. or improve people's lives and more how it will make them look to the outside world for their personal brand or mm. whatever you want to call that other side of... I guess that's just human nature, right? Yeah, on, it entre- is. Yeah, and entrepreneurship should ultimately be about contribution, not exactly. That's that's the biggest one. Oh, that's man. the cut through. Right? That that is by far the biggest one. Is what are you doing with your business that will positively impact mm. the people around you, communities around you, families, the your legacy, your future generations, the people that come after you. And I find if you ask that to most people that said I want to start a business, they haven't thought of that. Mm. And that it, and and if they have, they don't really care. That's the it, biggest takeaway from this right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 and that's by far the hardest thing that it's easy. I'll use our marketing agency where we spent years trying to define what we did and we, we did marketing, but that wasn't enough. Like Mm. it was like, how are we developing a service that can better the world? Mm. And then it became, we're a health and wellness 
digital business or incubator or accelerator that delivers better products to improve mm. the quality of life of people yeah. in, in a longer format. So then we could feel good about doing what we were doing. And then we've delivered on those outcomes. If we were just people, and we know heaps of people that are in this space that just do shit to make money, What's the purpose things. of meaning, right? What is the purpose of meaning? Th- Why bother? Is, yeah, and it's a, it's a fascinating thing. Like I, you know, I do like a lot of kind of uh, strategic reviews or you know, help like, um, you know, founders in along their journey at varying points, you know, kind of normally they're doing a couple of million a year in revenue if I'm, you know, working with them, you know, all the way up to hundreds, right? And you'd be really surprised at how many organisations cannot answer this question in one sentence. Why does your company exist? Yeah. Or... What is the purpose of your organization? Mm-hmm. And like, I would, I can like, you know, confidently say, I reckon I've only had like a few people out of all the people I've spoken to who can answer it. And even the ones that can answer it because you know, they've got a strategic framework and they've spent some time kind of discussing it. More often than not, it's not, uh, it's not crisp, you know, it's not coherent. And even if it is, you go, cool. So if I walked into your office today and I lined up 10 staff, any, any 10 random staff and I asked them, would they have the same answer? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, if the purpose of strategy is obviously, like, alignment, you know, it's communication, decentralized decision-making, et cetera, et cetera. If, if everyone in your organization doesn't know your purpose or you don't, like, how can you possibly be effective? One of the biggest things that we do in our agency is is these brand labs mm. where we help businesses align and uncover what their brand purpose is. Okay. And a large portion of that is sort of, you know, helping them understand that businesses um, – that are more impactful or more influential. Mm. And I think it's more and more important in a day, like in, in, in um, an environment that we're in right now where there is just so much out there, there's so much noise. So people are gravitating mm. towards brands that have an impact. They're aligning yeah. with brands that have an impact. And I think that that's so important. And I think that it's this extra, it's this, it's this extra thought that, you know, you don't necessarily have immediately when you're thinking about starting a business. Some do. Yeah. So, some businesses um, are, are started from mm. a passion, you know, about the impact that they want to have on the world or, or whatever it might be. And that's what that's Or, what or they're just the resolving business. a problem of doing something sure. better. And a lot of the time, because, you know, again, like, you know, more, more founders than not are, you know, product people. Yep. Right? They have a product or, or a service, you know, a product or a service that they you know, have that they do better because they didn't like the way that it was done before. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really kind yeah, of sure. yeah, easy cool. way of looking at it, yeah. right? And, um, you know, purely based on that, if you go like, well, what's the purpose of your organisation, especially really early on, they go, oh, I just really didn't like the way this was done. Yeah. So I just did it better. Now, that might not be the organisation's kind of, you know, enterprise contributions as a society, but that was the inception or the genesis yeah. of yeah. the journey, right? Like that was why it started. And then this was, again, very similar to... Myself and Sweat, like, you know, uh, very early on in the journey, we're just like, oh, it's terrible that, you know, fitness for women is pitched this way. You know, like, you must you must have six-pack abs. And if you don't, you can get them in four weeks, mm. right? You know, and you should look this way aesthetically and that, and you know, and so on and so forth. Like, oh, firstly, that's terrible, right? You know, secondly, most of the fitness programs that are created uh, at that point are either created for guys or they're just outright kind of boring and not that enjoyable. So it's like, oh, we should fix that. Like, we didn't sit there, you know, day one and go, like, oh, we exist to empower women with fitness. Yeah. yeah. Which was our company yeah. purpose later on, which then evolved to empower everybody with fitness. Yep. Right? Yeah, so we didn't sit there starting with it. We was just like, well, these things look wrong. We want to fix them. Like, we're passionate about fixing them. And then 
the sophistication happens as the evolution continues over time, obviously. But but everyone kind of starts with some general idea, or most product and service people start with some general idea, or this is wrong or not good enough, or I could do it better type scenario, which is you know one of those kind of core attitudes that segments kind of uh, you know an entrepreneur from an entrepreneur, if you will, right? right? You know, right. most entrepreneurs don't want to be entrepreneurs; they just want to do stuff better. Yep. They just want to contribute, or they want to do cool stuff, and they don't want to do it because you tell them it's cool or they don't want to, you know, they don't start, like I didn't start writing workout programs and a philosophy on, you know, uh, health and fitness for women because I was like, hey, this will make me heaps of money. Yeah. I was like, well, this is, it just, it just should be this way. Yeah. You yeah. know, like women shouldn't be made to feel terrible about the way they look and how they think about health and fitness. You can still eat and train in a way that's enjoyable, look good, feel good and the whole rest and you can do it without degrading yourself, yeah. you know. You you only uncovered that by being in that world mm. and, and immersing yourself in that industry and mm-hmm. becoming good at it and knowledgeable about what's happening in that space and mm-hmm. that industry. And then you started to go, well, I'm seeing this mm-hmm. and I want to create my own view mm-hmm. or I have my own view now mm-hmm. and, and, and this needs a new solution. And I think there's like a lot of people out there that are asking themselves, I don't know, or, or saying, I don't know what I want to do or I don't know what my passion is. They've obviously not done enough things mm. or they haven't done things, you know, to a deeper level where they've become somewhat <coughs> good at it and, you know, gained a, a deeper understanding of what's actually happening in the industry where you start mm. finding these solutions. Mm. Mm. You know, it's like, cell. you wouldn't have come up with the idea of an infant, you know, formula that was plant-based and organic without being immersed into that world. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting it, thing, right? It is. Yeah. How, do you, how do you find opportunities? Yes. You know, I'm disappointed that I don't have a better word, but, you know, you can kind of, you know, there's a fork in the road at the beginning. You, it's either a kind of a conscious or unconscious discovery, right? Yeah. So what I mean by that is that it's mo- like a, a huge portion of uh, organizations that are, that are um, you know, started by founders, not corporates, and I'll kind of explain that one. I said, but they're started by founders, not corporates, come by people that have a, uh, a high proximity to the subject matter that they're in, yep. right? You know, so, you know, um, so a lot of companies that are resolving kind of financial industry problems are coming from bankers. You know, like a lot of, you know, in, in my case, you know, I, I, you know, created a service and product for, you know, fitness by being in the industry one way or another, right? However, when you look at a lot of the other kind of gigantic organisations that are built that are built out of corporates, they're found, like they're consciously discovered, very deliberately discovered, oh, there's all these trends happening, this makes sense, right? So they weren't necessarily even in the space, they went to the space to find opportunities and they're kind of two fundamentally different approaches. The former is normally the individual, it's a first-time founder or sometimes even a second-time founder. The latter is typically, you know, corporates or people that existed in those, you know, larger organisations. There's also a matter, and I'll let you boys speak to it as well, in the aspect of, say as you were, Toby, you were passionately in the industry that you were working in. And as you said, there was a severe problem and the problem was women were made to feel a certain way Mm -hmm. about fitness and the likes of that type of stuff. So you didn't randomly just pop up and just go, oh, been a PT six months, Um, there's this problem, going to solve it and make an app. Mm. and my exit's going to be 400 mil. Mm. Like, it, it doesn't work in, yeah. in any aspect whatsoever like that. Yeah, we it, speak that it's that simple. That's But that's how it's perceived. Yeah. But, but this, so, but this yeah. is the society again coming back, and whether yeah. it's about entrepreneurship or, you know, um, you know, kind of achieving the pinnacle of, like, athletic, um, you know, success, it's that 
m- most of society is celebrating the outcome or the end point, yeah. Yeah. right? They're they're interested in hearing the random funny parts of the origin story and then they want to hear one difficult, sad time and then they yeah. go, cool, but you got to the end. Yeah, you exactly. Know, when the reality is you know, very far from the truth. And again, you look at, uh, I really like athletes. I think they're a great kind of example that it's a little bit easier for people to understand than business unless yeah. you've kind of been there, right? You know, like you know, LeBron James spends a couple of million dollars a year maintaining his body, health and mind, however you choose to kind of frame that. You know, and that's, Daily meditation, daily journaling, it's daily eating the right food, it's daily doing the hard training, the technical training, the skills-based training, the fitness training, the rehabilitation, you know, it's, it's all these things. Most of that's boring. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's going to go in there and do that. And, yeah, sure, if a person off the street, you know, went from having none of that and then got to live a couple of days as a bronze, they'd be like, oh, this is amazing. I've got chef-cooked meals, yeah. this, that, and the other. But, you know, then when the flavour comes a bit repetitive the workouts become a bit repetitive and you've got these few niggles and aches in your body and you're tired and it's 4am in the morning and you're training and whatever, you know, and then the pressure's on and this and that and the other, all of a sudden it becomes a lot less enjoyable and you've got to do that 365 days a year, more often than not for like 10 years yeah, to kind of get anywhere, yeah. you know. It's, this, it's these realities that I was so excited to talk to you about and I think we've consciously not sort of introduced you, um, you know, talking about your successes because... That's to me. That's not who you are. That's mm. something that you've achieved, and it gives you validity to talk about what we're talking about today, mm. which I'm excited about. But the thing that I've loved and I've said to you when we've tri- been training is like, every y- you, you've you've gone through this sweat exit. Now you're starting to 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 do other things, and you're collaborating with other business people and and mm. and founders and stuff, which is so exciting. But every time I hear you on a podcast or you know, what you're writing about on social, it's, it's real shit. Mm. And for whatever reason, it's just stuck with me because I feel like no one really talks about the real stuff. So every time I've listened to one of your podcasts, I'm like, oh man, finally someone is actually saying it how it is. I feel a little like, bit obliged to, yeah. Like, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. And this is why I was excited for yeah. us to have this chat. <laughs> yeah. You know, where I'm like, you know, you've achieved the, the 1% goal, mm. right? What is exciting is that because you've achieved it, say for example, me and Cell go, it's possible. Mm. So that's fantastic. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's probable. Correct. Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think the exciting thing that I wanted to chat to you about was what are some of the darkest moments in in building this these businesses that, that people mm. that you don't talk about and that would otherwise change someone or protect someone from mm. making the decision to start a business if they're not the right p- type of person that should be starting a business. Like, what are yeah. some what are some things that you can yeah. dig deep and so sort of remember? So, yeah, so it's worth contextualizing that everyone's story is different, right? Yeah. yeah so all of the uh, let's call them kind of like symptoms of entrepreneurship, you know, that might kind of uh, leak out into your life one way or another. They'll kind of be different for everyone, but categorically, they're uncomfortable. Mm. You know, and so, you know, um, you know, uh, to, to rattle off a couple of examples, um, you know, I like pride myself on my decision making capability. You know, um, pride myself on normally having thought things through quite a lot, and and normally as a result of that, there wasn't kind of too many like categorical stuff ups like in the journey, right? Um, but there was still lots of big, bad, kind of hairy ones. You know, but um, the reality is, to your point, they don't really get talked about. So. One that I've shared a little bit about um, yeah, before is so 
you know, uh, we were trying to raise money for the business. So we were bootstrapped. We'd never raised any capital. Um, and, you know, I kind of said, oh, look, well, we need to get on the path to exit and a path to exit, raise some money, accelerate growth and then exit. And so we kind of designed this deal with a particular investor. To get to that point, you know, I'd spent like three or four weeks, um, you know, a hundred odd meetings with investors and got rejected by a hundred percent of them, right? And you still got to go into all of them with full enthusiasm. But that was like not even the worst part. You know, that was actually relatively straightforward. You know, but like if you just take that, if you just extract that and go, how many times have you walked into a hundred meetings back to back for you know, 30 days straight or whatever and been rejected 100% of the time? How many times, if you say, if you're a guy, have you walked up to a hundred girls in a club or a bar yeah. or a restaurant or whatever and been rejected a hundred times? Or like as an athlete, have you gone to a hundred clubs and tried to fight for that role? Yeah. You know, like there's not that many kind of scenarios. You know, like if you're a jiu-jitsu guy, like did you go to a hundred comps and lose a hundred times yeah. and still show up to the next one? Yeah. Not likely. Yeah. Right. You know, so anyway, to kind of, you know, the icing on the cake here is eventually, you know, we find a potential investor, we do due diligence, spend millions of dollars doing it. You know, we get a couple of days out from the deal right at the end of a calendar year. And I'm like, look, everyone, go on your Christmas break. By the time you come back, deal is going to be done. We'll have all this capital. I've recruited another 30 or 40 people for the business to kind of set us up to accelerate, you know, the beginning of the following year. And then 36 hours out from when the money is meant to hit the bank for the business to kind of rocket, deal falls through. <laughs> the next day, I've got to, you know, do a kind of big, you know, group chat with the company. Hello, everyone. Everything I said was wrong. <laughs> Every single assumption I made was wrong. I'm sorry, I have to let a huge amount of you go. <laughs> There's going to be a full company restructure. Personally, I just lost you know, a better part, of t- better part of $10 million. I've still got to show up and be kind of not necessarily happy, but you know, like a resilient, strong, centered leader. And then the business still has to run. Yeah. Right? Like, so it's not like, oh, uh, we have the bad conversation, everything goes back to normal. It's like, you know, the whole team is bruised. Yeah. You know, like morale is down, right? You know, um, Another example would be, you know, uh, part of being kind of in the fitness industry is that everyone has different views on what does work and doesn't work and this and that and the other. Um, You know, earlier on in the year process, we had a particular person who got really passionate about the fact that what we did was wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, you know, uh, this went to like hate mail and this and that and the other. And we had, you know, tens, like literally tens of thousands of people commenting and abusing our organization online. It's like as a leader, it's like, oh, you got to come to work every day and say, oh, you know, to the people, you know, on the support desk and, and marketing, whatever, just you're doing a great job, guys, keep going. When they're literally getting abused, yeah. reading death threats, yeah. you know, like you go home at the end of the day to find death threat letters, like on your doorstop, right? Like, and this stuff sounds so extreme, right? Like, so like, you know, someone who hasn't kind of experienced this would go like, oh my God, that's so hardcore, but it's like, a lot of business owners experience this type of intense stuff. Maybe not death threats, maybe not failed capital raises or whatever, but they have. there's a variety of different things that you know, can go wrong, right? Like I have a client I work with who just signed a deal for tens of millions of dollars worth of distribution, signs it you know, with the person to distribute it, and then manufacturers like, can't work with you anymore the next day. Yeah. We've had all these. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like in, in different we've doses. Had all these. Yeah. It's probably not at the stakes that you have yet. The other thing that within all that that you've just said that was just making me think of a couple of things is being a business owner. You know how people pride themselves on being a good friend, being a good husband, being a good dad, being a good son, brother, mm-hmm. mother, whatever it may be. I can almost assure you they are polar opposites with being a good business owner. Mm. Like in the aspect of if you are really, really good at running your business and the likes of that type of stuff, chances are it's pulled you away from being the best dad you could have been. Mm. Chances are it's pulled you away from being the best husband or the best friend or the best son. Because 
if you had the time or if your brain wasn't getting smashed and you're constantly dealing with all this stuff, you probably would have spent more time getting your mum a better present or yeah. being there for your mum's birthday yeah. in the first place. Sometimes you would have missed it. Remembering to call her. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you would have missed it. And it's not because you don't love your mum, obviously. Mm. Um, and there's different times of being the dad where you're just like, man, I should have spent more time at the sports carnival or swimming carnival, whatever it may be, or I could have done more here, but my time got pulled. Um, I did the best I could, but... And, and some of those yeah. things aren't in your control and some Not aren't, Exactly, right? exactly. Like and it's, it's just hard. It's hard in the aspect of just going that you you are trying to deliver your best mm. in, in all formats, but there's the people that really want to go, I'm going to be like the friend that... It's going to be at every occasion and I'm never going to miss this or I'm never going to miss that. Yeah. If you are that person, don't do it because you are going to miss a lot of shit. And mm. you, if it if it eats at you and you're like super disappointed you didn't make that friend's birthday mm. or you missed this special occasion that was special for them but you had something that was super pressing that mm. was life and death in terms of your yeah, business. business, yeah you're probably going to miss that and you don't want to feel shitty, but you also have to understand that that's what your life is going to be. So well, it's better to know that. Than it's all priorities, yeah. right? And, and like, you know, I mean, give you another really interesting example. This was a quite a, uh, quite like a, a, a jarring moment for me on my journey. So we all think about like our own success, you know, and so we often go like, oh, like, you know, am I, my winning today, this month, this year, how are we going? Kind of like, what's the next win? You know, yada, yada, yada. And then we catch up with our friends and family. We want to be able to share that. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of people who've kind of been, uh, you know, through their own journey have experienced the whole, well, I'm sharing my success with you, but then you get upset about it. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of people have experienced that. Right. So I, I came from like, not a lot. I had a pretty like, you know, uh, interesting and, and difficult, you know, childhood for certain phases. And, I met a guy when I was 10 years old who's been, he's my longest friend, right? Like we've been mates forever. You know, when I left home, I slept at his house sort of thing, you know, like on the floor, right? When I eventually kind of like moved out and got my own place, his mum and stepdad gave me their mattress because I couldn't afford to buy one, Yep. right? Um, you know, they picked me up from places and we've done a lot of silly things together, but it was a great relationship. Been mates 20 years, right? Anyway, a couple of years into the journey, we were just sort of starting to become pretty well known, you know, making a little bit of money and this and that and the other and whatever. And, uh, yeah, we're on the treadmills. So we're in a building I own, in a warehouse, in my own private gym, on my treadmills, right? And we rock up and we're same age, went to school together and everything. And he goes, what have you been up to, man? And I'm like, oh, just got back from Germany yesterday. Yeah, I spoke at a conference, uh, at a marketing conference, had like a keynote there. Had, it was 40,000 attendees, probably one of the best, you know, like things I've ever been. Um, you know, just signed XYZ deal, so on and so forth. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been busy, man, been busy. What about you? He's like, yeah, I got fired yesterday. And as the room goes silent for a bit, and like about a minute or two goes by, and he goes, and like we're still walking the treadmill, and he kind of like looks over me, and he goes, you know what, man? He's like, I really love you, but it's really hard being your friend sometimes. Fuck. <laughs> And like, so for me, I'm like, I didn't, you know, I'm not the sort of guy that has like heaps of friends, especially at this point, you know, a couple of very small friendship circle, you know, this guy's parents have like taken care of me, like literally given me money, a bed mattress to sleep on, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, they're not that the tables have turned, but I'm in a very yeah. different position. And I'm like, in my head, I'm just like, holy shit, man, like that's really hard to hear. Like, I'm not really sure what to respond to that, you know? And like, 
So a lot of people don't even consider that like, oh yeah, running a business is hard, this, that, the other. It's like, but there's also things outside of it. If you win, it will invariably make other areas yeah. of your life more difficult, even if you show up and you're on the treadmill together going to yeah. a workout at the gym. And isn't it funny, the people that you feel that would be the closest to you, for example, I have a private profile on Instagram mm. and I don't tell anyone where I live. I don't mm. really do anything that would mm. lead to like someone wanting to mm. um, dig dig further but like the people that are the closest to you, as you said, a good mm. friend can still have those feelings, can mm. still have those yeah. those types of things, and you wouldn't even expect it. No, I and was really glad that he could be honest about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like because and I even said to him, I was like, man, that's it. That, there's a lot of bravery and courage involved in saying, you know, like I love you and I want to be really happy for you and I am really happy for you, but you make me feel really small. Yeah. Not even by anything. And he even said he's like, you don't do anything. He's like, you're not a. Uh, an outlandish you know audacious person you're not bragging like you're literally just saying what you did but he's just like i feel really small yeah and that's like really challenging and we're still really great mates like yeah. we, we have been you know for like i said for 20 years but it's like the the strain that that the, the, this experience and this journey puts on some relationships and a lot of people might go oh well you know he should be this that and the other and he should be happy for you. it's like he is happy for me yeah i know yeah. he's really happy for me but that doesn't make it any easier for him to look at the relativity between our lives and say oh well yeah sure maybe i didn't do the things that you did but like wow that's a really hard kind of yeah. to face yeah. into your your yeah. success has instead almost exposed his insecurities about him his own mm. you know self a lot more yeah. I, I, I can relate to that a lot as yeah, well it's definitely that, that, yeah. yeah that's really difficult i feel like um personally like i've always been a very outgoing person i've mm. had lots of friends and as i grow older and have um, more experiences it's, it's becoming quite the opposite i'm mm. becoming way more introverted way yep. less friends mm. like i would rather sit at home watch netflix with my partner and my dog than go mm. out and mm. be amongst people like I your, really your values your values shift materially yeah, very much so. with both age you know like time age and experience right like it's a it's a real thing and the business journey kind of massively highlights that even if nothing kind of just more practical then i only have x amount of hours yeah and you know, yeah. like th that's a really, you know, so a lot of people kind of go, I've got to work eight hours, then I've got everything else outside of that. Yeah. Whereas a business person goes, I got 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. What am I going to do with what, it? What am I going to do with it? And this is a really fundamental topic as, and you see this on social all the time. Like I want work life balance. It's yeah. like, well, that statement's wrong. You've already yeah. lost. Yeah. Like the, the conversation is already lost. If you've said, I want work life balance, you yeah. don't, you want balance. Yeah. And you were not happy trading one off for the other. Yeah. You know, which comes back to this whole like the incongruence thing, like well what you're willing to do doesn't line up with what you want. Yeah. And who you are doesn't line up with who you want to be, or at least that's what you think. It's right? so important to start understanding and reflecting on who you actually are and what your strengths and weaknesses are and mm. becoming very vulnerable and being really looking internally and, and like um learning who you are. And I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying mm. to understand themselves. Mm. I, I I feel like as time goes on, I'm just constantly thinking, who are you to myself? Mm. Are you a good person? Are you a bad person? Have you made good decisions, bad decisions? Yeah. And that, okay. that inner monologue, right, is a fascinating thing. You can interrupt with good questions. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like a lot of people go like, oh, I'm running a business and you go, cool, why? Yeah. And like, oh, I want to achieve A, B, C. And that's normally kind of where the conversation ends. But someone once asked me a fascinating question and they went the conversation went like that. What do you want to achieve? And I said, A, B, C. And they go, awesome. So earlier in your life, who told you that that was valuable? Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, wow. You know, like, because most people go, oh, they value, again, money, status, power. It's like, and out of those three, like, which things are you kind of seeking? 
Yep. Right. And most people don't want to be honest about that. Like, you know, how many founders go like, oh, I'm doing this for the good of the planet. It's like, yeah. you might be. And yeah. that's really great. But you also have your own kind of life goals that are disassociated with the outcome of the business, right? As much as some people don't want to transparently admit that. Yeah. You see, know. I heard, heard something and I'm gonna, <laughs> it was Gary Vee who said it at the time and I really resonated with it where he was just like, sure, we all have these selfish mm. inclinations, but it's like, but mine is... I 51% want to do good for mm. my community and 49% want to do good for myself. And I was like, that's awesome. That yeah. that I can, you can relate. relate to, right? Well, and it's a form so, of honesty because yeah. it's also like, it, it, what he's kind of, I guess, saying in another way too is like, it's okay to want to win. Yeah. Like, it's okay to want to be wealthy. Yeah. It's okay to want to have things. And some people say, oh, like, you know, seeking wealth and seeking material assets and whatever is a bad thing. It's like, well, in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. Yeah. But it's okay to want to improve your current position. There should be no shame associated with wanting to do that. And if entrepreneurship and founding an organization is one vessel that you choose to implement or you know, utilize to achieve that, then then so be it. Yeah. There's other ones, but that's one. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, a lot of people used to look at Michael Jordan and be like, "Oh, you're such an asshole." Yeah. So, well, do you think that? Do you think that when th- all is said and done afterwards, they're thinking that? No, like they're thinking it in the moment. But the reality is that like, he just wanted the win and he knew what he wanted, yeah. right? And he was happy to be pretty open and honest about it, yeah. right? No one no one looks back now and goes, oh, what he did was bad or wrong or kind of unacceptable. Maybe it was more or less polite or more or less you know gentle or whatever. But the reality is that most people coming back to the whole incongruence thing, it's like he knew what he wanted. He identified as that guy in the future and he set his 24 hours up every day to move him in that direction mm-hmm. constantly. So what? So, the person that lis- that's listening to this on the other end that is struggling with the things that we we're mentioning here, mm. um, wh- what what do you advise that they should be doing, or h- how do you advise that they should be thinking, or what sort of work <coughs> that can they do within the, in themselves to understand what path they should go on, or or feel good about the path that they're on, mm. and not feel pressured by what media is telling them they should be. Yeah. So I mean, first things, write it down, mm. and whatever it is, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're talking about, write it down. <laughs> Right, and like that's a a lot of people scoff at that because like, well, what's the point in that? I'm like, my opinion and purely my opinion only, you know. But you know, forcing yourself to write things down and articulate and rearticulate them makes them clearer and crisper, right? It's you know, kind of a statement of fact to some degree, right? So, whatever it is you're doing, write it down. And so, if you're kind of trying to figure out, oh, what should I do? What's the decision that I make? How should I go about this, etc., etc.? Write it down, mm-hmm. and you'll probably find because I always say to people, I'm like, you already know the answer. More often than not, you either just haven't got there yet or you're being dishonest with yourself. Yeah. And writing it down kind of removes, like, as you write and write and write and write, you peel the layers down, right? I think coming back to a couple of the points that we were, we were kind of mulling over earlier, you know, where are you today? Define. You know, where do you want to be? Define. How do you live today? Define. How do you need to live to achieve what you want? Define. And then look for the differences, right? Because it, it literally is that simple, right? Like, and a lot of people don't necessarily want to believe that, but it's like identify the things that you have to do that are boring every single day that need to be done to get you where you want to go. But to know what they are, you have to identify where you want to go. And to know that, you have to understand what's different about that to today. It's quite a simple process, but not a lot of people want to commit to doing it. Like a really great example of that is just how many people have their goals written down? Not many. Right? What do you want to achieve? X, Y, Z. Show me. They're like, well, they haven't Mm -hmm. written down, so you don't want to achieve it. Mm -hmm. Because if you did... Then you would have you would have taken some committed action to represent to yourself that that's true, right? Sel and I did a podcast recently about strategy, 
mm-hmm. just understanding what it is yeah. and talking about it in its simplest form. And what you've just defined there is a perfect roadmap in in how you should start looking at your life and, and decisions to sort of build your own roadmap. Mm-hmm. And the way I've thought about it is like a lot of people think they need to start a business to achieve what they want at the end of their roadmap, but they really probably don't. Mm. Uh, it depends, right? So it's like you could be more risk adverse and you might not want to be rich. You might just want to have a really comfortable uh, living and you want to have a family and you want to have a home and maybe some investment properties and things like that over time, but you don't necessarily want to make, mm. make big risks. You're not looking to change the world or anything mm. like that. You can be a great employee, have great benefits, great salary, great balance. Great certainty. Great certainty. And over time, you, with the right sort of financial strategy, you'll be able to achieve your goals. Probably yeah. easier, right? Absolutely. And on the other end of the spectrum, it's like if you're a little bit more like us where, you know, you don't mind grinding it out for whoever, you don't even know the amount of time that you're going to need to grind it out for, but hopefully it, if you're making the right decisions at the end, you'll have a huge payout. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but there's a huge risk involved with that because you could also potentially end up with mm-hmm. nothing. Sure, lots of skills and experience and hopefully yep. you can, yep. <laughs> whatever it might be, but that's two different strategies. It's two mm. different roadmaps, right? Mm. And so like a funny um, conversation that um, Sel and I had with our accountants recently was him laughing at me because mm. when I left law, my legal career, mm. um, I was on a certain salary and I had not met the salary that I left my legal career on until eight years into this business, mm. right? The first three years of my business, I didn't pay myself a single cent and it mm. got to the point where I had six staff members and still didn't pay myself a cent and then mm. sell board into the business. Mm. And he was like, hey, we need to be paying you mm. and we need to be doing all this sort of stuff and yeah. help me build the business, right? Yep. But people, I, I look back at that and that was just my decision and there's so many ways to cut the pie yeah. and, and start things. But I was like, I couldn't have scaled this business if I didn't make that, deci- in that decision. And I was yeah. lucky to have the support of my partner to be able to help me do that. And that was the only way that I could, could do this. But I don't think people would do that well, or make that decision. Yeah. And this is a thing, like, so one of the, you know, one of the potential risks of people who are quite structured, you know, um, is that they're like, oh, everything must be done kind of, you know, commercially and uh, in a you know framework and this and that and the other right, but in more environments, not for the early stages, the first several years of a business, right? You have to do things unscalably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Which is quite counterintuitive, you know, because like, oh well, I want to build an organization that can scale and grow efficiently, etc. Yeah. So it's like absolutely, but you got to prove it works first. Yeah, and to do that, normally you have to do things in a way that's not going to work forever, right? And so the whole like kind of Zig Ziglar, what got you here won't get you there thing kind of applies in reverse too. It's like what will get you there is actually not going to get you here. Yeah. You know, and so... Now now we're at the stage where people are going, no, 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 you need to pay yourselves a proper wage because yeah. otherwise this thing won't work. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, what's the commercial part? replace you. Of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting piece um, to think about. And I think coming back to some of the earlier things right like business and the journey of business is incredibly complex mm-hmm. like it's 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 difficult in some ways to reduce it to first principles but your notion around like having a strategy and what are like everyone has to have an individual plan for their life if you don't have an individual plan for your life how can you possibly complain that you're not where you want to be yeah because you don't even know where you want to be because yeah. that's part of what would be in the plan right like otherwise, it's kind of just like empty sadness. You're yeah. kind of sad for no reason. It's learned helplessness, also, if, if you want to think of it that way. Mm. 
there's two things you want to get from this podcast is to have a plan and to start jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? That. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one. <laughs> Man, we, we, we could obviously talk for hours and hours and I would love to do this many times with mm. you and I'm sure we will um, off, off obviously recording, but hopefully more so on recording. But um, I would love for you to share to, with people what you're up to now. You're obviously uh, yeah, sure. collaborating with Mark Boris yep. and, yep. and doing some things. So yep. tell us what you're up to and how we can get involved. Yeah, so so the, the, the short version is that after kind of selling the organisation and stepping out of my role, I had you know an interesting reflective period where in inverted commas I kind of had nothing to do. Yeah. Yeah, which took me to this you know place in my mind where I was like, well, what do I actually want to do and what's life about in a world where – I don't have to work all these hours a week. I don't actually have all this stress. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a variety of things that kind of come under that, you know, but I think two things that, that really stood out to me was, you know, one, like I, I definitely going to do like more business stuff. Like that's, I always say, you know, like some people are passionate about sport. Some people are passionate about food and travel. I'm passionate about business. I'm yeah. one of the rare people. Like I just, I love it. I love the game. I love the complexity. Every area of it, it doesn't matter. Like all of it to me, it's beautiful. And so I will always do that. And then the second thing that came out was I'm like, well, while I'm doing that and while I'm figuring that out, I'm like, I really like other people's success because I, I, for a variety of reasons, but, you know, I like to be able to scale my own impact. You know, I'm like, so how can I help other people achieve more, which by virtue scales the impact? But the important extra criteria to that was, I'm like, I really want to make sure I can help other, f- like, founders and business owners achieve their goals and be successful in business whilst remaining sane, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. Because my experience, um, for a variety of reasons, was uniquely insane. You know, there was a whole bunch of criteria that came together to make it much more complex than a lot of other kind of general business journeys. And so I was like, okay, well, from that experience, I've developed a skill set that allows me to cut through. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I really want to work with other founders. And so I've been spending a lot of time, you know, kind of advising, you know, um, founders and startups and you how to grow um, bits and pieces around how to kind of refine their strategy and a variety of things. You know, I'm working with a company that builds machines for mines. Amazing. Yeah, like I'm in legal tech, yep. you know, I'm in e-com, I'm in beauty um, retail services. You know, yep. it's like th- there's a variety of different things there. And like that's been a fascinating experience for me and quite a fulfilling one, yep. you know, to be able to kind of see people go like, my week's actually got easier from working with you. My business is actually growing. You know, I can scale myself and scale the value that I provide to people. So most of my life at the moment is like spending time with other founders and helping them kind of, you know, win on their own journey. And it's been a, an incredibly you know, invigorating cool. experience. Are you still doing, are you still sort of open for that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously I kind of phase in and out of yeah. certain organisations based on the time and size and, you know, whatever support they need. But um, we have so many yeah. incredible business owners that listen to this podcast that would do over the 2 yeah. million mark sort of um, number yeah. that I'm sure would be very interested in reaching out to you. Yeah. So how would they reach out to you? Yeah, um, yeah, please. You can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram just yeah. by searching Toby Pierce. So please, um, yeah, I'd love to, love to connect with anyone and, it doesn't matter where you're on the world either. Happy just yeah. to, to provide some help. So please reach out and hopefully we can connect. Amazing. And that's cool. The and biggest biggest takeaway is the sanity part. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's going to take something away from it and wants, wants some help, I'm sure yeah. for business owners, it's the aspect of as many a time you probably think you're losing your mind or you may have lost your mind. Let's face yeah. it. Like oh, we sure. lost our mind a long time ago. <laughs> so yeah. that for so someone that can get advice from you to bring them into alignment, mm. um, make them feel somewhat sane and normal mm. that they're going about it the right, or if they're going about it the wrong way, at least helping them get on the right way mm. is like, you can't put a price on that. Mm. Like yeah. it's, it's near, near impossible to price. Yeah. Tell us about the, the, 
sort of collaboration with Mark? Or is yeah. it like a tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so Mark and I have known each other for quite a while. I think um, I think I was one of the very early on guests on his podcast actually nice. like yeah. years ago. And uh, so we, we yeah, kind of reconnected recently, um, you know, the other side of COVID and spent some time chatting and, um, you know, Long story short, he's uh, obviously a very successful um, and very passionate business person. And we're quite aligned on some values around this notion of like um, you're educating and supporting entrepreneurs. Uh, I think his focus is more Australia, mine's is yep. a, a bit more general, but um, you're educating and supporting entrepreneurs to kind of achieve their goals and dreams. Yep. Um, and so he uh, you know, had this idea to kind of set up a, a, a tour to run a couple of events in Australia, um, you know, Brisbane, uh, Sydney and Melbourne, um, where there'll be you know, myself, him and a couple of other sort of entrepreneurs come along to provide some yeah, I guess some tales, you know, from uh, certain parts of the journey, but then also kind of some advice to like navigate different components of, of the founder's journey, if you will. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that's uh, early next year um, in February, beginning of February. So yeah, I'd love to love to see some people there as yeah. well if anyone's awesome. listening along. 100% yeah. for sure. Thank you so much, brother. Really appreciate it. And hey, look, if anyone wants to hear more about your story, there are mm. so many good podcasts out there that you've recently oh. just done talking about this, the the journey of sweat, the exit, how you felt after the exit, yeah. all these sorts of things, which I found very valuable, um, and purposefully didn't want to sort of go down that that road yeah. in this chat, and wanted to get a little bit deeper. Um, and I'm sure I'll kick myself listening back to this, uh, wanting <laughs> to ask more questions, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure we can do it again. But uh, thanks so much, brother. No, thanks, thanks for man. having me, guys. Appreciate it, bro. No, I loved it, guys. Thanks very much.